0: Hannah, first of all, congratulations on the book. Um, I saw on your LinkedIn post that it's trending in new releases on Amazon. Um, and I really think that the timing of this book like it couldn't be better because it's sort of at at such such an a kind of a tipping point, I think, for brands coming out of the pandemic, you know, the world is getting closer to what we remember it being, although very different. Um, so I think the timing is great. Can you share a little bit about how long it took you to kind of pull this book together and what the impetus was for writing it? Because it's really, really in depth and so well thought out.
1: Thank you so much, Kelly, and thank you for having me, Irina. A couple of things. I would say that really the the inspiration to write a book about Gen Z is coming from my background as a management consultant. I started in consulting in 1998, and that was the time where the millennials came on board. And for my 20 years of consulting, I kept on seeing all my clients struggling with millennials. And they struggled to incorporate them into the workforce. They they struggled figuring out how to sell and market to them. And even when millennials were already older, we were like 30 or 35, people were still struggling to understand who they are and how to engage them. There, In the process, so many mistakes were made, so many opportunities were missed, so much money was spent to try and retry and redo things with millennials. So I thought that there is a great opportunity with Gen Z to get things right from the the first time and from the start. And I thought, you know, I would like to write a book that helped, executives in the consumer industry, in the retail industry, I and mean, in any other industry for, th- for that matter, to actually understand who is Gen Z and how we engage with them in a way that is going to be beneficial for everyone. And it took me about, I would say, a couple of years. And my original plan was actually to write it in a year, and I actually meet that plan, but then COVID hit. And I felt like I can't go to the market with a book that does not include what's happening in the world right now. So I had to extend the research and weave the pandemic and its implications into the book. So the book is very timely because it's not only talking about Gen Z and how we engage with them, but also how we engage with them in this post-coronavirus
0: world. So, you know, what is it about this generation that you find so intriguing and what are some of the defining features? You know, I think sometimes when we talk about these generational cohorts, we we sort of approach them as these monoliths, which they're not. Like not all Gen Z consumers are motivated by the same things.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. And I think you are making like an excellent point here because it is true. It is almost, it, it is a fundamental mistake to say, oh, all Gen Z are like this or all millennials are like that. However, what is very important with the generational research is that it allows us to identify some major themes that describe this generation. And by understanding these themes, topics, issues, it enables us to imagine a future And if we can imagine a future, we can actually prepare for it. And I think that's really is the value of generational research. So when I say, oh, Gen Z is like this, Gen Z is like that, unless it's kind of a real number, like they are the most diverse generation, 48% are minorities. So that's kind of is not arguable, but when we talk about behaviors, it's very hard to say all Gen Z's like that, or all millennials are like this, and I think we have to just to remember that we need to, to consider the directions that they are going to allow us to prepare and engage. So in terms of the defining characteristic, as I say, it's the most diverse generation. It's also the most connected generation. 87% of Gen Z had access to cell phone before they were 15 years old. And that has a huge influence on how they think, how they process information, how they communicate and so on and so forth. The third thing is that because of that access to information and to what's happening around them in the world, they turn out to be the very engaged generation, more than we have seen before. They are more aware of what's happening around them and what's happening around them in the world, and they are more inclined to question, like, why something is happening and what can I do in this world, which is why we see them, you know, demonstrating and, and rising up for, you know, to the occasion when, when they see injustice and they, they really, um, it, so aware and so focused on on creating something different for themselves I, that I think that's becoming a major a characteristic of these generations. And I think the other thing about them is that because of their level of engagement, because of the way they know how to use technology, their ability to influence is much greater than previous generation. And I think that's one of the reasons why understanding Gen Z is a business imperative, because I always say what's happening with Gen Z, never stay with Gen Z. As they adapt new tools and behaviors and new ideas, those trickle up and spread to other generations. So very soon you kind of see millennials and Gen X and even Boomer starting to adopt certain behaviors and certain ideas. So we need to understand that cohort because it has
0: greater influence. You know what I find sort of very interesting as you were saying that is that there is sort of this, there's this design aesthetic uh, um, that has emerged from a branding and packaging standpoint of Gen Z that is this very sort of, I mean, I have to imagine it's an extension of the fact that Gen Z were kind of born content creators. So they think nothing mm-hmm. about creating a video, throwing it up there. There's kind of a rawness to what they do. It's not, it's not produced. It's not heavily edited. And these brands that are kind of intuitively- Gen Z have kind of clashing colors and clashing elements and there's kind of this retro feel to it that feels very modern and it's a it's an amalgam of these things that makes it incredibly dynamic and what is always interesting to me is it's very difficult to replicate so when it's done well it is amazing but when you don't really get the aesthetic it falls apart so fast and i find it kind of interesting that it it sort of represents to me this generation where millennials were sort of that d to c what came to be known as blanding moment where you know everything was not offensive and and it's such such a different aesthetic from a design perspective
1: that's that's right. And I think it's all going back to one key characteristics of Generation Z, which is authenticity. So Generation Z is all about be yourself. And I think this is one of the reasons that TikTok became so successful with this generation, because TikTok is exactly the place that you have to, you can go and be yourself. And as you said, you just create a video and put it out there. It's imperfect it's raw, it's um, it's delightful it has all sorts of colors that you know design people will think they don't go together but i think that's really is what appealing to them because they just view it as very authentic and i think that what one of the reason why this authenticity the, or the the quest for authenticity exist with this generation is almost like a counter reactions to what came before them millennials were actually growing with social media at the time where everything had to be perfect. That perfect selfie, you know, and I had Gen Z tell me, you know, when I look at social media, I feel it is so fake. Everybody is so successful and so pretty and everything is perfect. And I just don't buy that. I don't believe that. So they rather show their pimples or be funny and make a joke out of them, out of something and just be themselves, then kind of re- repeat what was before them. They are completely the imperfect is the new, perfect.
0: I mean, from a um for brands sort of struggling to connect with this consumer, mm-hmm. um, you know, Gen Z brands that are run by Gen Z founders, you know, it's so seamless for them. Um, but for, for the rest of us that are a bit older, you know, it, it's really sort of getting in, in, you know, the way they think is so fast. Um, that by the time you think you have it figured out, like they're on to something else. That's right. So <laughs> for, for a brand, you know, what are kind of the key pillars or values um, that are constants that, constants that you can build against?
1: So I think there are two elements to the question you're asking. There is an element of what makes make a brand successful with Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And when I look at all those brands that you call, you know, they're targeting uh, Gen Z or they created by Gen Z uh, founders, I call them Z brands. Mm-hmm. And the Z brands, if, if, there is an emerging formula, actually. And if you look at it, it's about affordable prices because Gen Z is extremely cost conscious. The second is there is a purpose. So you have to stand up for something that they care about. And it could be the environment, it could be woman issue, it could be racial issues. It, it, there, there, are, uh, there is a very long list of uh, of causes that Gen Z care about, but they like to engage with brands that do good in the world. The third thing is really the what you call the aesthetic. Mm. Is how do you create the aesthetic that is appealing, that is authentic, that is imperfect, and it had to be done in an authentic, authentic way. Because if you just kind of throw in, you know, clashing colors, it's not going to do it. And they are savvy enough to spot that. So, we, wherever you, wherever you come from, you have to be super authentic. And the last thing is, is the marketing. The marketing has to be. recognizing the characteristics of this generation. It's a very diverse generation. They expect to see themselves in, in your advertising, in your communication, and unfortunately, uh, 60% of Gen Z would tell you that they don't see themselves in advertising today. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I think the numbers are much better for the beauty industry because I think the beauty industry has done quite a good job in in this area. But it's still, there is a long way to go. So I think if you take these four things, they're really becoming, um, like, if you like, a formula of what mm-hmm. a C brand is about. Now, in terms of kind of more the established brands and they, you know, in my book, uh, I call it the next generation marketing. And I've done a lot of research to kind of figure out what are the components. And I think that really identified six components. One is the purpose, as I mentioned before. The second thing is the embracing diversity. It's no longer a And you can't do it in a way that you pay lip service to it. It has to be real, and it's no longer a nice to have. It's it's a must have. And uh, and the the third thing is really is communities. I believe that communities is one of the most. A untapped opportunities for brands to engage with Gen Z. They are all about community. They crave human connection. They want to be part of something. And if you are able to create a brand community that really allows people to participate, contribute, to be part of your brand, co-create with Gen Z, bring them into your product development process, then I think you can start engaging in a more, in a more meaningful way with them. They... Next one is really personal. It's personalization. You're really with Gen Z. You have to personalize everything. This is a highly individualistic uh, generation. And again, like with the like with the diversity, seventy percent of Gen Z feel that they are um, they are not getting personalized enough. Uh, communications from brands, which is actually quite staggering considering the amount of money that gets spent every year on personalization and on a, on a micro-targeting. There's still a long way to go. And I think the reason why it is important is because they are individualistic. They think of themselves as brands, and they look for brands to help them build their brand. So that's how you have to
0: think about it. Hannah, on personalization is one of those one of those topics that's so loaded, right? Because it can mean anything from a quiz that just recommends existing products yes. all the way in beauty to doing like a DNA swab and having, you know, product made for you. And in between, there's a whole lot. That I
1: think happen. it's all I think it's all the above. And I think really? I think it's all the above. And I think Every brand has to find where personalization matters most. As you said, if I am a beauty brand and, you know, tech curology, for example, in beauty, yeah. they they have done a great job in having giving a personalized service to people by professionals who are either dermatologists dermatologist or, or a registered nurse that build personal relationship with a a client and help them to kind of get to the right formulation for them. And, And I think that's for them, that was the aspect of personalization. For somebody else in the fashion industry, it could be how the messages that I'm sending on my email campaigns every day. Are truly personalized. Do I understand the style of this individual in a personal, in a personal basis, or I'm just going to send mass mail and hope that something will stick? So I think every brand has to find the angle in which they they uh, can get, can give that personalization in the best way. So the the next uh, the next aspect of it is really is the is content, and in my book I call it feed the content beast. Gen Z grew up with instant access to information. Exploration is part of their everyday life. And they expect brands to satisfy their curiosity and the need for discovery through relevant and inspiring content. And you said in the beginning, they move so fast. By the time you figure it out, they are on to something else. So I think for brands, one of the biggest challenges is how do I Constantly create content that resonates with this generation. You literally have to have a content producing, a content production machines that bring this content constantly to life and 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 spread it. Because you have to be, you have to create that content at the same speed that they can consume it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's I think another that's I think another area. And the last but not least is really delivering unique experiences. And they, they want experiences, again, that are authentic, cool, memorable, and shareable. For them, if they go to an event or attend an experience, they want to be able to tell the world and share it on social media. And they want to be active participants. Gen Z doesn't like to view things. They want to be the protagonist. They want to be the, the one that go through the experience. So I think, you know, there are lots of ways to do that. Uh, Some of it is technology driven, but you can do even live events that have nothing to do with technology, but put them in the center of your experience.
0: You know, one of the things that, um, that you just said made me think, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people make the assumption because this is sort of a a digitally, the first real digitally native um, generation that they want to buy and engage in everything online. But you actually said that they crave human interaction. So my question is, you know, it, it you know everyone's talking about the growth of online retail. I mean, I'm of the mindset that retail is not dead. Boring retail is dead. But retail is never going to go away. And maybe that's just because I come from retail and I love it so much, but you know what is this this generation's relationship to sort of brick and mortar versus online, and and what is the the behavior in each? Because they, there is an intersection that happens.
1: Absolutely, and you know I've done a lot. I spend a lot of time talking to them and surveying and and researching this topic with Gen Z, and. It's a clearly they they shop online, especially, you know, during the pandemic, like everyone else, they migrated online more. But their preference, if you ask them where they prefer to shop, 58 percent will tell you they prefer to shop in stores. They like the store because the store is that human interaction. It could be the human interaction of I'm going with my friends or with my sibling to the mall and, and we go to a store and we have fun together or even interacting with people in the store. So they like that physical experience of going to a store. And interestingly enough, even in, in the pandemic, when I actually asked ask, uh, uh, Gen Z, how would they foresee themselves post-pandemic? And most of them say they are looking forward to go back to store. Some of them said they will may even go even more often to stores to kind of compensate for the mm-hmm. months that done. And they, and only very small percentage say you know that they will they prefer to, to shop online. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's again it's a reflection of that need for the personal connection.
0: Yeah. So I know I I, I want to be cognizant of time, because I could sit here and talk to you all afternoon. Um, But we have about 10 minutes, I want to make sure that we tackle sort of the workplace, because I think Mm -hmm. that was a big stumbling block um, Mm -hmm. with millennials, where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, employers found themselves struggling to connect with sort of a new way of contemplating work, um, Mm -hmm. a generation that sort of thought about work in a different way both in sort of what it meant in their life and how they wanted um, how they wanted to execute work um, yes. you know so you know the gen z cohort is still very young um, so we we can not make the same mistakes if if we get smart on it
1: that's right and i think that's a, that's something that companies have really companies will have to start preparing for it as quickly as possible because on one hand there is just a new generation that is very different and has different expectations from the workplace. And now we are layering of it, the COVID period and what it means to this generation. So I think the first thing to understand is Gen Z are very independent, they're very ambitious and competitive. So this is not the millennials doing kumbaya in the office, wanting tennis tennis uh, uh, tables and, and and kind of cute atmospheres and the kind of the Google office kind of design. Uh, they want to have their personal space. They want to they want to progress very fast. They want to pay about they want to be paid above the average. So their expectations are super high. But I think one of the the things that people who employ Gen Z need to be aware of is that we are now moving into a truly multi generational uh, workforce. And if you think about it, when I think about some of my former clients, they were there are still uh, late sixty and even early 70 people in the workforce. And now you have these newcomers who are early 20s. We're talking between 40 to 50 years gap between the older and the young years. And what really happens is that you have every generation has their own views about what does it mean to be a good employee? What does it mean to do a good job? Uh, What does it mean to perform in the workplace? And when you have these views that are contradicting each other, you could create some conflicts. And the conflict could arise really from clashing in values and work style, but also from subconscious bias. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the older people think the younger people are too soft. They are not hardworking. The the young people think the older are detached and disconnected. So I think one of the most important things that companies can do is think about how they create a more harmonious workplace. And there are some really good strategies that I'm talking about in the book on how to do that. And uh, I think one thing is actually to put the cards on the table and have conversations. And the other is to try and find as much commonalities as possible, because in the end of the day, no matter which generation you are, I think we all want to go to work and do a good job and get great good feedback and feel that we are doing something that is meaningful. And I think if we build on these commonalities, we will be able to create a, a more harmonious and. Workplace that is functioning and productive. Of course, there are always things that have to do with the what I call technical HR, which is how do you design your benefits, how do you how do you design compensation? How do you run your reviews? And so on and so forth. And those need to be adjusted by generations. But in essence, I think it's all about finding commonalities.
0: Yeah. I mean, I honestly think that brands that can have representation like real representation in each of these generations in a way that there is a collaborative environment so you're not all sitting at a table and there's like the eye roll when someone Mm -hmm. says something but more of like you know uh a Gen X person having a Gen Z mentor and vice versa. Like I think people who can unlock sort of the, the generations working together as a team, it's going to be such a competitive edge.
1: That's right. And I think reverse mentoring is one of the things I'm discussing in the book. You can get a, a person, a Gen X or a boomer mentoring a, a newcomer, but also get the newcomer to mentor yeah. a, the other generation. It could be, you know, using their digital skills. It could be, you know, using their knowledge of Gen Z culture to inform a top management about where things heading. And I think that's, that's kind of where you bring people together.
0: Yeah, I agree. So we have, Two minutes, I'm gonna ask you one last question and I'm gonna turn the question that you ask everyone you interview back on you. So what is your biggest dream? My
1: biggest dream
0: is that
1: the work I'm doing will really make, I really want to make a contribution and help as much as I can to integrate this generation that I am very fascinated by and very passionate about in business and society. So every little help that I can provide anyone with getting to know this generation and getting to engage them better and smooth their way into the workforce or you know the consumer market I I feel I would feel that I've done something good.
0: Well, I can say I'm I'm only partially through the book but Um, It is, I think, for any marketer, brand owner, just sort of human being, it is such a great book um, and so informative. So um, I'm going to share it with everyone I know. Um, And I'm so, Irina, thank you so much for allowing me to have this conversation with Hannah. She's one of my my favorite go-tos on the topic. So thank you so much for this opportunity. And Hannah, Mm -hmm. I wish you all the luck on this book. It's so well done.
1: Thank you, Kelly. And thank you, Irina, for having us. Oh, thank you so much! It was so interesting. I like was sitting and mesmerizing by by all this, uh, all this story. And and we definitely see the influences of these generations on the, on the industries right now. It's coming so strong, especially after the pandemic, when everything is accelerating so fast. So amazing! I can't wait for my book. It's in the way. And yes, uh, uh, you can order it on Amazon anywhere, right? Uh, it's, it's, ava- Amazon. it's available. I really it's available on Amazon and it's available on my website. Yes. If you, if you purchase it from my website, there is a special discount code for Inocos, So the community. I will put it in a video at the yes. end of the video. They, they yeah. can, you can go and, and get that discount. Excellent. So this webinar is recorded for all of you who watched it. They would like to watch again. We will send you the link in a couple of hours when it's processed and uh, uh, yes, I can't wait to 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 get my hands on these books. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, guys, thank you so much. It was yeah. fun. Thank you, Kelly. Amazing yeah, interview you. as always. Thank you.